For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who was in labor. Together, a great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a wild-watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Hmm. Father, we thank you for your holy word, these scriptures that contain life. Would you, by your power that's beyond our comprehension and belief, breathe this word into us? Just as you've sealed us with your Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our redemption, would you also breathe the life of your word into us? the very presence of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Welcome. So great to see everybody. It's 2021. You're so excited, aren't you? Because it's full of possibility. It's a new year, a new you. You've heard that before somewhere. No, we really are filled with possibility and hopefulness. We really are excited that you know, uh, AKA pandemic could be over soon, but we still have a ways to go, don't we? Yeah. And there's a little bit of that sense where we have these beautiful, majestic passages from the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Chris's favorite prophet, right, Chris? Yes, because he's so, he's dour and sad. Not that, you're not that way, Chris. But Chris can connect with that, that side of Jeremiah. But we have the weeping prophet. Well, what is he doing? He's not weeping. He's rejoicing. He's singing the hallelujah chorus. He's speaking of what? Redemption. He's watching Jerusalem get sacked. He's watching the people of Judah get slain in front of him and hauled off in exile. And he is preaching redemption. Redemption. St. Paul, similarly, has this beautiful long sentence. And Kelly, what a beautiful job. You did reading all the passages. But I, I love St. Paul's sentence there. 
this long, beautiful thing. And what does he say? Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. We'll come back and look at that in more detail. But St. Paul speaks of redemption. Even the psalmist who's talking about pilgrimage, who's talking about moving down the road, think about your life and my life, our life in 2021, new year, new us, as a pilgrimage, facing difficult things. The one who trusts in the Lord is one like when he comes to a desert, he finds what? Springs of water. When there's no provision, God provides for him. The one who trusts in God, the one who walks in integrity, will be blessed. It's this one that says this, as one, not this version of the Psalms, but one version of the Psalms says, I would rather be an outcast in the house of my God rather than dwell in the tents of sinners. And so even in this pilgrimage, even in this redemption, Jeremiah, St. Paul, the psalmist, we have Herod. Oh, Herod. We have this unthinkable passage. And we have truly the first martyrs for Christ. And so I want to highlight to us tonight two simple things. Redemption is here. But a force will always fight against redemption. That is true for you and me individually. And that is true for us cosmically, globally. But we have hope. How silently the wondrous gift is given that God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. And that heaven doesn't just mean when we die, we don't go to hell. It means the gathering up of all things into Christ. So let's jump to it, shall we? Look at Jeremiah. Gosh, I've got to find my notes here. Y'all, this is supposed to be like this for me the first Sunday after Christmas, not the second Sunday after Christmas. Okay, look at Jeremiah. So we've got this set in motion. He's prophesying Israel and Judah's story, and we're seeing redemption. It's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, you know, we remember, we had a, a wonderful sermon series on lamentations last year on, with that weeping prophet writing those lamentations. So Jeremiah sees this destruction. He sees the, what has been the glory of Israel, the glory of God, has now become shame, has now become laughingstock. What was beautiful and praiseworthy is now just abjectly disgusting. And yet Jeremiah proclaims, sing aloud with gladness. You and I, friends, are invited to sing aloud because of our redemption. Why? Raise shouts for the chief of the nations, proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save the remnant of your people. God gathers us to himself, doesn't he? He uses his holy word. He uses friends. Even in this time of isolation, when COVID has us separated, God still seems to get to us, even when maybe you've read several books this week and your mind is flooded with all the different things that you've been reading or consuming or binging or whatever it is, God still speaks to you and to me. And so this redemption is set in motion. 
in Israel's story. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. There's an acknowledgement that there is a scattering, that there is suffering, that even though redemption is set in motion, it's not just a water slide to the end of life, is it? We must fight. Paul said it like this in Philippians, that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And very much so, that's why God has given us seasons like Lent. Because what do we do in Lent? We fight. But mostly we fight against whom? Ourselves. Against our flesh. That has insatiable appetites. And that maybe we can see the same appetites as our flesh in some characters that we're going to look at in just a moment. So Jeremiah proclaims beautifully, verse 13, Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. Friends, whether we experience this in fullness in this life or in the world to come, God will trade and give to us divine gladness for the sorrow that we experience. Do we believe that? How much has the world and the cares of this life come in and choked out this divine gladness? This, this thing that we know deep inside is real and is true and we cry out for it. This new heaven and new earth. The fullness the fullness of our redemption. We're redeemed, but we're not fully redeemed yet. On that note, jump ahead to St. Paul. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 10. Again, redemption is here. It's set in motion. We see it in Israel's story. With Christ's birth, with his incarnation, with his nativity, it is arrived in full. It's complete in Christ, especially in his death resurrection, ascension, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But look what St. Paul writes. In him, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So we get a glimpse, an apocalyptic or prophetic glimpse, if you will, from the weeping prophet Jeremiah, this joyful, loud, raucous dance of redemption. And now St. Paul pulls back the theological curtain to tell us a little bit more of what's happening. But I, what I really want you to see is that all of this redemption centers around one person, Christ. Not just the fact that we're redeemed, we're forgiven our trespasses, St. Paul says, by the blood of his cross. Not just that, but that in the fullness of time, verse 10, that all things will be united in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We confess in the creed every week, and I love it. I, you, have, did you take my advice from last week? 
Did you say the creed maybe once a day, a couple times a day? Hey, be crazy. Say it three times a day because you'll start to memorize it. Heaven forbid you'd memorize this, this wonderful thing. But we confess that we believe in one God, Almighty Father, who made all things visible and invisible. And St. Paul is saying here, in Christ, all things will be united in him. He's made peace with the blood of his cross. All things will be brought together with him, in him. And we get to participate in that, having believed on him, having been sealed with the Holy Spirit, with this down payment, this guarantee of our redemption. We are able to participate in this redemption. And yet, there are always going to be obstacles. And I just want to say there's always going to be a force. And I don't mean Star Wars force. You know that, right? I feel like I have to clarify now. Because Star Wars is everywhere. We, we love Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. We love it. But not that kind of force. Because that's, that's make-believe. There is an actual force of evil. You can call it Satan personified evil, this, this fallen angel who rebelled against God and took angels with him, was kicked out of heaven, who fights against God's beloved. There is the force of the world all around us. And here's where I want to call your attention. I love the prayer that Chris prayed earlier. Lord, help us be silent to see and hear how this gift is given to us, to see and hear how you're leading us. The world wants nothing more than for us to be not silent. The world's demands on us are more and more becoming all-encompassing. Are they not? All-encompassing of what we watch and read and what we believe. And more and more, the secularism that allowed for a time and a season... For Christianity to flourish as a religion here in the United States, secularism itself has now become a sort of religion. It is. It's a spirituality. And so the demands that the world places on us are total. So there's Satan, the devil, there's the world, but there's also what force is working against our redemption, our own passions, our own desires. Exhibit A, Adam and Eve first command was a command to fast from this tree in the garden. And yet their passions, their flesh, and their lust longed after that. And so we look now to King Herod. King Herod, I feel like, can personify all three of those things, the world, the flesh, and the devil. King Herod, typified by Pharaoh in Egypt, when he killed the firstborn of all the Hebrews, in order to put them out. And we recall how Moses was saved from that, put in a basket, gone in the river, raised in Pharaoh's house. And now, Herod, terrible, evil Herod. One ancient hymn says this of Herod. When the king was born in Bethlehem, the magi arrived from the east with gifts guided by a star on high. But Herod was troubled. And mowed down the children like wheat. For he lamented that his power would soon be destroyed. He mowed down the children like wheat. 
for he lamented that his power would soon be destroyed. None of us is beyond anything. And, we, and it's, we're quick to say that there but for the grace of God, we would go. So it is good for us to remember and acknowledge that the same desire that led Herod to commit such an unspeakable act that would bring about the martyrdom of these holy, innocent children, that same sort of desire lives in you and in me. So what do we do with that? How do we live in this world where, like St. Paul says, I know the good that I want to do, but in me is the desire not to do that very thing. What do we do with that? I love an answer. It's not the answer, but I love an answer that the psalmist gives us tonight. Hmm. Verse 4 of Psalm 84. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Another version says it like this, that in whose heart is the highway to Zion. Friends, every day we have choices to live into the redemption that is already ours in Christ Jesus and will be full when we will be gathered together, when all things will be united in him. We can participate that, in that every day with our choices as we make decisions for ourselves, with our household, with our friends, our neighbors, with our church. We can make that choice. We can have in our heart a highway to Zion. Zion meaning God's presence, the, pl the place of his beauty, and that future hope and longing, knowing that that is the fullness of our redemption. Or we can turn aside from the way to Zion. We can move to the left or to the right, Moses put it very simply to the people of Israel, the choice is yours. You can choose blessing or cursing. And I adjure you, friends, on the second Sunday of Christmas, and me as well, that as we make these choices day by day, that we'll remember what the weeping prophet said. Sing aloud. Proclaim redemption. We are part of redemption, so live like it. Love not just your neighbor, Love your enemy. Lay down your life for them. Give of yourself fully and completely and far be it from you that out of fear that your power will be used up and destroyed that you mow down someone else. Hmm. Let us hear these words with caution in our hearts but hope in Christ who is our redemption our fullness, our salvation. Amen.